Welcome to Liberate Your People Pleaser. I'm Brenda Florida, certified life coach, and I am on a mission to liberate people to their authentic power and ideal self-expression. So what's a people pleaser? Well, those of us who are people pleasers are usually very loving and kind. We're empathetic. We also tend to prioritize other people's needs over our own, which leaves us feeling not seen and not heard. We're great at anticipating the needs of others and often put ourselves in second place. We're great doers and nurturers, and we often have the role of keeping the peace, whether it's in our families or in the workplace. Well, the first thing I wanna share with you is that there's nothing wrong with you. But we do want to take some of these qualities of people pleasing that we focus so much on other people and turn them on to ourselves first, which turns them into our superpower. To find out more, listen to this next episode of Liberate Your People Pleaser. Welcome to another episode of Liberate Your People Pleaser. I'm super excited today to have a guest with me, Kimberly Brenner. And as you can see from, if you're looking at the video on her Zoom name, it's Gutsy Goddess, which that's enough right there, right? Like that, no other explanation needed. This is why I had to have you. Uh, but in addition to that, uh, I know Kimberly from a networking group that we're both in. And I think that not only is she just a, vibrant and wise and really delightful human being. She has a great message and she has a message that's really interesting to me as it ties into people pleasing because she's worked with a lot of couples and it's the experience that you have, Kimberly, and some of the ways you talk about men, particularly being people pleasers is just different than my own personal experience. And so it was so interesting to me. And I know that it will bring a dynamic here to our podcast and the audience of Liberate Your People Pleaser that I can't really bring to it, right? Because I haven't had anywhere close to that experience. I was always with narcissists. And um, so it just creates a really different dynamic. And uh, so I'm super excited to get into this. I'm going to let you introduce yourself and then we'll kind of dive into um, your experiences and the people you've coached in their relationships and how people pleasing has played a part in that. And then again, especially kind of from that masculine perspective, how it plays out for men uh, a little differently sometimes than women. Oh, absolutely. Thanks for having me, Brenda. This is great. I know you, you were very curious when I made that comment in that mastermind group about men being being people pleasers. It's like, what? Yeah. And it's true. And, and let me tell you, first of all, hi, everybody. I'm Kimberly Brenner, and I am the Gutsy Goddess. What I do is I work with couples, whether they're married or single or engaged, but I help them navigate conversations so that they can relate to each other and become more successful in their relationship. I was doing a Gutsy Goddess program. And in the program part, one of the one of the chapters is looking at how are we as women being people pleasers? Because like you, Brenda, I was always thinking it's us wanting to be liked, wanting uh, to do everything we can for the person that we love. And, and 
and then what happened was I, in the conversation, you know, sometimes when you're having a conversation, something shows up that yeah. you weren't looking for. Yeah. And in this conversation with my gutsy goddess ladies, um, I started realizing that in my sessions with couples, I would get from men, I want her to be happy. Yes. I want her to be happy. It's so important that she's happy. And I realized at that moment that that's one of the hallmarks of a people pleaser. Mm -hmm. So I started directing my questions to men to kind of tease out whether or not I would categorize them as a people pleaser. And sure enough, that's true. Mm -hmm. So then I started teaching the wives, the women, how to live with a people pleaser. Because if women were pushing it away because it was um, negating them as an individual Uh to always like, would you love me? Would you love me? Like that sense of insecurity. Yes. But men, that they need that. They become insecure when their wives don't think you made me happy. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. So okay. a man, a man is more secure when he knows I've provided, I've taken care of you. I've, I've been there for you and you appreciate it. So I tell right. women, what you do is you make yourself happy yeah. and you give him the credit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you say, I couldn't, you know, whenever I would tell my husband, I couldn't do this without you. Thank yeah. you so much for understanding you really yeah. make my life easier. Mm-hmm. He would go out of his way to make me happy. He became the biggest people pleaser ever. And I loved it. Mm-hmm. I loved it. Yeah. So this is, so a couple things that this just makes me think of and ways I w- would want to go with this in our time together. One is that this idea that being, and I always say it in my intro to the podcast, but being a people pleaser isn't just a bad thing, right? Like it gets labeled and sometimes sort of pathologized as this is a problem, okay? Being a people pleaser is a problem. So one of my perspectives on it is always that it's it's only like most things, it's only a problem depending on how we act it out, depending on how we use it. So if all I'm worried about is getting your approval, that's a problem, okay? Because if that's my life orientation, which is what mine was for many years, all I wanted was the approval of other people. I just wanted them to be happy with me, to like me, to like what I was doing. I wanted to anticipate their needs so I could, you know, get there before they even knew they needed it and all these things which did give me, get me a certain amount of uh, accolades and relationships and people liked me and stuff, but there's no place for me in that. Right. So, but if I turn, so if it's all only outward focus, that can be a problem. But if I take those same qualities, what do people need? What do people want? What, how do I anticipate that and turn that to myself? What do I need? What do I want? How do I anticipate what I'm going to need and go get that? then no problem. And when I have a balance of those two, the inner and the outer, you know, that's when I'm really, you know, functioning at a high level. So this idea of being able to 
look at a spouse, male or female aside, but especially what you're saying here with the husbands and just knowing like, this makes my husband feel really good when I give him credit for this or make sure he knows what a vital part of, you know, my life, what I'm, how I'm able to do what I do, that he is, those kinds of things. Like that makes perfect sense to me. And it it seems like, so tell me this, how this is for you. So how, when a man is feeling out of sorts, then in his relationship, how do you help him see that part of himself? Does that question make sense? So I talk about boy versus man. Oh, yes. I love this. And I, and I want to make sure, because you talked about being with a narcissist Mm -hmm. and I would categorize them as a boy Mm -hmm. versus a man. A boy says, I love you because you make me feel good. Mm -hmm. So as long as the woman is people pleasing him, Mm -hmm. making him feel good all the time, and he's not able to make himself feel good, well, then he's fine. He's okay. Because he's being a boy. Mm -hmm. Boys are selfish boys. We date boys, but we need to marry a man. And I teach women how to be able to recognize that a man says, I love you because I want to take care of you. I want to provide for you. A man puts away their needs in order to be there for her needs. This is that, that phase that they go through as being a people pleaser. I'm being a man, I'm taking care of her. And women do want that. Mm -hmm. Women want to be married to a man who is there looking out after her. Mm -hmm. So that's why I would say, women, you need to learn how to live with a people pleaser and to understand where they're coming from and appreciate it Mm -hmm. uh, because he's there, he's driven to take care of you. Now, a narcissist is not. No. A boy right. is not. They're not yes. driven to take care of you. So what happens is we think that we can continue to do things in order to get them to reciprocate. Yes. And, and that, like you said earlier, that becomes the problem. Yes. So how does this happen? How does this transition in a relationship with the boy to the man, how how does that kind of occur? And for any of the, you know, either way, if you're a man listening to this, because I certainly have men in my audience, I've coached men who are people pleasers, but I think I didn't realize how common it was, right? They were in my mind more the exception than maybe they are. It was just the exception in my experience. Um, So really, you know, how do you coach people from getting from this boy to the man part of the equation in the relationship? You know, that's, that's always the challenge. Like, how do you um, convince them to want to be a man? Mm-hmm. And if they really want this woman in their life, if it, this woman is important to them, then they realize I need to man up. Okay. I need to man up for her. Uh, sometimes I have to deal with their insecurities where they want to be vulnerable to their wives to be able to say there's things that I can do. And then there's things that I can't do and please don't judge me for it. Mm-hmm. So I'm working, thank goodness. I'm working with the two to help them dance together yes. so that this, this man can be a man in where he can be a man. Mm-hmm. How much money can he make? How much can he provide? 
without always thinking it's not enough. Mm -hmm. I, I explain it this way to the guys. You have, I says, if your older brother, if your younger brother came to you and your younger brother was at a bar talking to some girl and you knew your younger brother was married to your sister, what would you say to your, no, well, that doesn't work. Never no, mind. But Forget yeah. that one. <laughs> Brother-in-law to the sister. Okay. Got it. Yeah. <laughs> so, I said, what, <laughs> what would you say to him? And of course they would say, well, I would say, go home to your wife. Right. I said, that's how I want you to talk to yourself. Imagine that you have a younger brother self. Yes. And that the man in you is talking to the boy in you. Yes. And keeping the boy not doing anything that would embarrass his wife or his marriage. Yeah. And they get it. They immediately get it. And it's so cute when they come into my office and they go, miss, I'm talking to the boy. I'm talking to the boy. Yes. Because when they talk to the boy, their wife doesn't have to. Yes. Ooh, ooh, that's, ooh, that's good. Because what does it sound like when the wife talks to the boy? Then it's just nagging and, well, it's mothering, you know, and then it's so, I think it's so easy in a romantic relationship to drop into those roles and they can, you can go back and forth, but who's being the parent and who's being the child. Yes. And it never feels good. Like when you're in it, like that never feels good, but it can be a hard pattern to break. I, I think the reason why it's hard to break is they don't see it. Yeah. Yeah. We get caught into it. And especially, especially if we've got children, mm-hmm. when we interact with our kids, the way we talk to our kids, we don't stop and think I need to talk differently to my spouse. It's just an automatic, yeah. we go into the same kind of way of speaking and yes. uh, it doesn't work. Yes. So for Let's talk about the power dynamic because power, you know, sometimes I think uh, it, it, my podcast should be called Liberate Your Authentic Power. And because no matter what I'm doing, who I'm coaching, whether they're people pleasers or not, whatever, you know, it's their relationship, their job, their whatever, their mother in law, it's all about power. It's where we've given our power away, you know, to other people or other things, money, you know, jobs. It can be a million different things. And the thing that struck me when we were talking a few weeks ago, as we, you know, talked about brainstormed about doing this podcast, when I told you that I had been with narcissists and you said something to the effect of, oh, well, a narcissist won't be with anybody, any woman who's in her power. And I was like, well, yeah, because I wasn't. So that's why they loved me, right? Because I was so willing to give, I mean, not consciously, of course, I had been in tons of therapy. I had done tons of work, even in my last relationship, which might have been the most narcissistic of all of them, which was a little personally (laughs) discouraging. But what I kept doing was giving my power over to him. And I did that very willingly. And so for him, you know, I'm from his perspective, not that he was conscious about this, I'm sure. But like, that was what made me so great was I wasn't being in my power. And when we had a moment after we were together about two and a half years, where I was absolutely in my power unapologetically, not unkindly, but unapologetically. And that day he gave me an ultimatum that I had to move out or, you know, do what he said. Because like, and now in hindsight, 
it's so easy for me to see. If I had shown up in my power a weekend, we would have never dated anymore because he wouldn't have had anything to do with that. Right, right. You know, um, I teach women what to ask at the first date. Ooh, tell me that. So, you know, you normally you're getting to know this person. So you're asking lots of questions and you don't want to come across as you're a drill sergeant right. or an interrogator. Yeah. So you very politely and curiously ask him, could you tell me who do you admire and why do you admire them? Mm. Okay, so I want you to think about who do you admire and why you admire. So the people that are listening to this, stop and think. Mm -hmm. Who do you admire and why do you admire them? So I remember this one couple, they both admired, no, this, no, he admired Bruce Lee, which was really interesting. I go, why do you admire Bruce Lee? He says, because he started something different. He went against the grain. He created something when people told him he shouldn't. So what he was saying is, I admire Mavericks. I admire mm -hmm. people who. And so then I said to him, how is that like your wife? Mm. And he got real quiet and he looked at her and he goes, oh, my God, it's exactly like my wife. I said, that's why you married her. Okay. Yeah. So if you're asking on your first date and the guy says, I admire my stay at home mother. Right. And you're a career woman. I tell them, don't take your second date. Yes. You say very politely, Ooh. thank you, but I'm not going to go on a second date with you because yeah. I can't be what you admire. Oh, that's so good. So I use that same question. I do leadership training every year for an organization. And I use that in part because it's all based on emotional intelligence. And, and so it's a good, it's a good mirror exercise for people to understand also more about themselves, but I never thought of it. So I might have asked that question on a first date, but I wouldn't have thought of the answer in regard to what it, how I fit that. I would have only thought of it as what it's telling me about him. So I wonder if you thought about your last significant relationship and you says, well, what did he admire and why? And if he admired, um, you know, power or if he admired, he's telling you, this is who I am. Or if he admired being in control or right. you, you begin to understand what's important to this person that you're just meeting for the first time. What's not important is his story and where he works and how much money he makes. That's not important. Right. Okay. Yes. What's important is what will he admire me? Will he respect me? And if I'm doing something different than what he already admires, then right. I won't get that respect. Yes. Oh, I love that. I love that. So tell me more, tell me more about what you, because uh, we don't have to be hypothetical here. Um, probably COVID has definitely put a damper on my ability to, you know, on my energy I put out to dating because I think it just takes more energy these days. But I'm a single woman uh, and I would love to go on a date. So besides that extra awesome question, which I will definitely put in my repertoire now <laughs> and listen to it a little bit differently. What else do you tell couples when they're dating? So here's what I tell my clients when they're dating. I go, 
I don't want you to date. I want you to shop. We're going to go shopping. And then I asked them to tell me, how do they shop? And so this one woman says, well, I, you know, I know the store that she likes to shop at and it's an exclusive store. And she has a lady there that will call her up and say, I found outfits that I think you'd like. Come on in. She goes, I don't have a lot of time. I go in, I go, yes, no, yes, no. I go, okay, that's how you date. And she got real quiet and she goes, oh my God, that's exactly how I date. I says, and, it, and, you, and you have to date that way. Now, if you change the way you shop, you can change the way you date. So whenever I'm working with somebody who is single and they are dating, I go, how's the shopping going? Now right. you, can shop with, you can shop with money and you can shop without money, which means you go window shopping. Yeah. So I would tell them, I said, have a lot of fun. Go window shopping. See what you like and what you don't like. Find what stores. This one woman, she was um, a larger size and she was very discouraged because she says, you know, men aren't going to like a larger size. And I looked at her, I says, listen, you're a specialty store. Yeah. And she goes, what? I go, you're a specialty store. A woman who could shop everywhere, have a harder time finding the right place to go to too much stuff. I said, you, you just want to date guys that are into women that have a little bit of meat on them. Yeah. Yes. She's like, Oh my God, you're right. And she went out there and she started shopping big time. Yes. And you know, it's so funny you say that because when I think back of when I was dating, when I met this last guy I was with, which was like right before I turned 50. So almost 10 years ago when we met, I was not dating like I shop. And Ah. yeah, like, you know, of course I wasn't thinking of it that way, but I am that woman you described, right? I want to go to Nordstrom. I don't want to poke through all the racks. I love having somebody in a department. I used to have a shoe guy, which gives you some idea of how many shoes I used to buy. Um, And he would do that. Rob, he would call me and say, hey, we just got something in I think you're going to love, you know? And I'd get down, because I wear a size 10. They usually only get one you know, so he'd pull it for me until I could get there, you know, get there the next day or whatever. And sometimes I loved them. Sometimes I didn't, but he knew my style pretty well. You know, I'd buy or I didn't buy, like that wasn't the hard part. But when I dated, I tended to think, now this is something I've learned, so I'm not doing this now, but I tended to think like, oh, I should be browsing everywhere, right? Because maybe most of my shoes I bought in salon shoes, but maybe I'll find that one in a million over there in the less expensive aisle, you know, or whatever. So I, you know, like, because in people, it came off as, or whatever, it came from a, a distorted place of like not wanting to be judgmental or something along those lines, right? Um, but now the little bit of online look shopping, window shopping I've done, I'm not doing that. It's just like, it's a very few people that I am willing to even go into a conversation and then very quickly, I know, and they'll just say something I'm like, in, in my own mind, I'm like, well, I'm not going to be with a guy who would do that, say that, like, that's, you know, I just know that. And so I'm done. That was a no. So I love that. Yeah. So based on your shopping, yeah, you would hire a matchmaker. Yes. You would hire somebody who would, 
go and be like your friend in the shoe department. I think I've got something that you might like. Yeah. And then you go for coffee or you talk on the phone and you either go, yeah, I'm buying. Now I'm shopping with money. Yes. uh, And I'm going to invest in it. I'm going to invest in this person. Yes. But if we go into that space of, would you please like me? And we become crushed when the person doesn't like us. To that, I say, well, should I be crushed if you don't like somebody? Right. Are you crushing them because you don't like them? And it's a normal thing to like and not like people, but we need more, we need to be more honest about it, you know, and, and start small, start with hairdressers. I would tell them, start with a hairdresser and say to the hairdresser, you know, (laughs) I had one where I loved her color, but I didn't like her cuts. Yes. And I would say, I'm coming to you for my color because you're amazing, but I'm going to somebody else for my cuts because they're better than this. Yeah. I hope you're okay with that. And some women would say, oh my God, you're so rude. How could you be rude like that? I go, no, it's not being rude. It's being authentic. Yes. And I'm always willing. And and I'll say, can I give you another chance for a haircut? Have you gotten better? And they'll say yes or no. Right. And uh, yeah. And, you know, most and and if we could do that in our dating. Because we don't like I'm a service provider. And before I was coaching, I was in real estate. Like I don't want. So I've been in service, you know, all of my career. I don't want somebody working with me out of obligation or because they don't want to hurt my feelings or something like that. Like when you're the service provider, you actually don't want that either, even if it even if you're not self-aware enough, whatever it may, or even if you are, it may sting a little to hear. I don't like the way you cut my hair. You know, I don't like the way you coach. I'm not going to go to you for coaching. Um, but I'm going to go to your retreat because in a retreat setting, I really, you know, I think that will really work for me. And I love that. Like, I'm just trying to create a metaphor there or analogy, but I would rather hear that even if it stings a little then find out later somebody's just been coming to me because they didn't have the nerve to say no or something. Correct. And think in terms of where we, how we're interacting with other females that are people pleasers, that they're not aware of what they're doing. Um, But back to men being people pleasers, oftentimes women will say to their husbands, just tell me the truth because a man will say things to the wife to avoid a fight, to keep her happy. And he may not be speaking from a place of true honesty, Uh, but to a man, to a man being completely truthful to his wife, he, he says, why would I want to do that and hurt her feelings? Which is really very interesting. Oh, so it's like a sparing, I'm sparing her. Yes. And, and women now are really intense on wanting the truth from their husbands, but the husbands are astute enough to tell me if I told her what she's asking me, you know, does she look good in that dress? Right. If I told her what I really thought I would be in the doghouse for the next week. Yeah. So I have them say to their wife, I would love to tell you the truth, but you can't handle it. Uh Uh-huh. And the wives are confronted. The women are confronted with, 
if I'm asking for honesty and the truth, I better know how to deal with it. I have to receive it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. But remember this, I have a phrase, Brenda, it's, you don't get to tell me who I am. That's my job. So even if somebody were to tell me you, you don't look good in that dress, I'll say, okay, I guess from your point of view, I don't look good in that dress. Um, and then the big question I always ask, so why is it a problem? Right. Are you going to have a problem with me wearing this dress since you don't like me in this dress? Right. And then we have this, you know, and he'll say, no, you're fine. You know, I'm, I'm fine with it. But you asked me and I told you and I'm like, oh, OK, fine. And then I get to decide whether I wear the dress or not. Right. Right. And it sort of takes the it takes the energy out of what could have been a fight or a cover up, right? Like, cause he lies and just says you look great even though he doesn't believe that. Like that kind of stuff, even when it's seemingly small, you know, like what kind of, what I'm, how I look in my dress, there's still an energetic exchange that happens there that adds up over time, I think. And if we, if we want, honesty, like you're saying, if we want honesty, we have to be willing to deal with it. We're not, am I asking for honesty or am I asking for you to agree with me? Right. Or just always compliment me. Those are two very different things. So I think that, you know, that's also an excellent thing to look at. So when, so we sort of unpacked some of that dating stuff, that was awesome. For our married folks who were like, damn it, I wish I had known that <laughs> when I was dating. What's your sort of, because I'm sure with the people that you work, the couples you work with, because while I work with people regarding their relationships, I don't work with couples. So I'm not right. working with the two. I'm only working with the one and how that one is showing up, right? And and right. Uh, coaching them into, you know, their power and being truthful in their own, you know, communication skills and things like that. When you have a couple that is out of sorts, kind of, is there a common starting point or a common tool that you use that kind of regardless of the story tends to get people out of the original stuckness that probably brought them in to see you in the, to begin with? I do. I always start my sessions with what do you need to figure out? Ooh. When I have the client looking at what do they need to figure out, they're not pointing the finger at the other partner saying they have to change. Ah, oh yeah. If it's what, what if do I need out, to figure out? Yeah. Yes, exactly. So I, do you need to figure out how to communicate? Do you need to figure out how to stand up for yourself? Do you need to figure out how to be in your power and not give it away? What do you need to figure out? If I can get them thinking that way, then I can move the needle. I can get them to start interacting. The other yes. thing that I do that um, works really well is I have the couples turn to each other and I teach them uh, my conversations. I have seven conversations. And by the way, it's a free ebook, but okay. the ebook is, it makes more sense for somebody who's working with me to understand the ebook. Yeah. If you read the ebook, it doesn't make any sense because it's like, oh, they're conversations, but what do I do with them? Yeah. Okay. But there's seven conversations and 
when I can get the couples to be able to have a structured conversation with each other, I watch as they begin, because they're smart people, they begin to see what's breaking down. Why are we angry? Why are we fighting? Why are we upset with each other? And when they get that, they can make corrections. I don't have to make the corrections. They do. Right. And that's um, over time, then you can see whether or not the person really means it when they say, I'll do anything to make my relationship work. Mm -hmm. And if they're unwilling and they're still stuck with, they have to change, I'm waiting for them to change. I'll actually say, then you're not ready to be married, Mm -hmm. even though they are married. Mm -hmm. Because to be married, you are not always putting yourself first, Mm -hmm. but it's a two-way street. So not only does he have to be a man, she has to be a woman and not a girl. Yes, yes, yes. That's uh, for me, the princess versus the queen you know, same thing, girl versus, right. you know, because a and princess the, just wants what she wants when she wants it. A queen is wiser and, you know, can stand in both what she wants, what she needs to do, you know, having her own power, asking for help, leading, you know, all the things like there's so much more available yeah. when we're in that adult version of ourself than when we're in that child uh, driven version. Yes. Yeah. And princesses um, aren't in the position of leading. Yes. And so what they'll do is they have to make sure that the king is happy. And that creates a a, a disparaging relationship. Yeah. Totally. Totally. And that's exactly. And, you know, when we were dating, this last relationship, that's exactly what he would say. Like he would call me his princess. And, but you see, to me, it was so endearing because neither of, I'd been married two times before, which is why I didn't marry that one. I, you know, I lived with him, but I didn't get married. Um, They were, my other husbands were not very, well, anyway, they just weren't that way at all. Okay. I wasn't used to that even, even in an uh, endear even if it's an immature sort of way, which is how I would see it now, that sort of endearing, oh, he wants to be good to me, right? But I missed the piece about he's not just being good because he was very good to me. It was always because I I needed to be less than him. I was the princess. He was the king. And so he was in charge of his own, you know, being good to me. It wasn't really about my own needs, um, but that one, that tricked me because I, I miss that. But now it's so obvious because he even used the words king for himself and princess to me. Yuck. It just goes to show how even a pretty wise woman can get fooled from time to time with love, right? Like, I think that our romantic relationships are the hardest to navigate because they end up bringing in so much of our original family dysfunction and stuff. I don't know. That's my own personal opinion. I think romance is, uh, you know, a tricky one. Well, we do bring in the kind of relationships that we need, maybe not the ones we want, Yeah, but definitely the ones that we need. Uh, I had a 
a phrase that used many, many years ago, don't marry the messenger. So people come into my life and they are there to get to teach me something. Yeah. Don't marry them. Yes. Just learn yes. from them. And so then the question, of course, then who do you marry? Yeah. And, and so it's again, who am I being? If I'm being authentic to me and this person that I am with values that because that is what they value and they admire that kind of personality, then we're going to do really well. Yes. We're going to do really well. <clears throat> so, yes. Yeah. I love that. It's a great place to wrap up because that, that is of course what I learned. And I mean, I have no regrets about that because it taught it, it, to me, it feels like when I look over the span of my life, he was like the, well, I was going to say the final lesson. I don't mean that to say, I think I'm perfect now and I would be in a perfect relationship, but I mean, he closed out a lot of un things I hadn't learned yet from, you know, my relationship with my dad and all kinds of things in my life that now, just like I said earlier on, as I'm even looking online at men to consider dating, it's totally different. I mean, I'm just, I'm not showing up now the way I was before. And so, of course, it was the lesson, you know, that I needed at the time that I needed, as I think all of life is. Um, but uh, so as we end wrap up here, what would be, is there any one thing that we've kind of talked about or maybe haven't talked about that you want to really, you know, sort of leave the audience with, like, make sure, you know, that they really heard this part or that, you know, we can all, that big takeaway, <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> Give us your big takeaway. <laughs> so as you were just talking about lessons, I, the voice inside my head was saying, I'm not going to attract a person in my life that I have to learn lessons from. Ooh, oh, oh. And they don't have to learn right lessons there. from me. Yeah. So, oh, and, and what I do want to tell the people that are listening, because they're probably, you mentioned that you had been married twice before, they're probably wondering, well, what's my marriage status? Yeah. Okay. And well, I was with my husband for 50 years. So that's a long time to be with a person. But I divorced my husband. I'm the one who divorced my husband after 18 months. And it's because I was a girl after 18 years. Excuse me. Okay. I was a girl. Years. For the first 18 years of my marriage, I was a girl. I was extremely oh. selfish. What can you do for me? He was a man, completely a man, and put okay. up with it. Okay. I left. I came back to him. But when I came back to him, I was a woman. And our relationship was our marriage when we, the second half of our relationship was completely different from the first. And I was so happy and so content mm. and um, best years of my life. I got to be myself. I got to grow. I got to finish my master's degree. I got to create my career. And he was my biggest cheerleader. It was wonderful. We had a partnership. And yeah. I, I talk about, I learned how to be married <clears throat> and there's something to that, how yes. to be married. 
Yeah. But it takes two people to know how to be married rather than to find someone to fulfill us. Yes. So yeah. it's, it's like when you talk, when I talk about shopping, it's like, I wear the dress, the dress doesn't wear me. Exactly. That's the difference. That's the be married. Yes. It's not marriage. Isn't the end game. Marriage is not the end game. Oh, I've got to get married. I got to be with somebody, but marriage is a ticket to the end game. So I talk about what's, what do you want to create in your life? And is the person you're with the ticket to that end game? Yes. And when they are, you've got this partnership that is so wonderful. And that's what I have. So, yeah. I'll, I'll leave the listeners with that. Yes, that's a beautiful place to wrap up. Thank you so much. I mean, I really My pleasure. that away. The the both, you know, being a, being a woman for me, and and partnering with a man who's not being a boy, you know, and I'm not being a girl, and that ticket. I love that a ticket to my end game, you know, and and me for his. Right. I mean, it it has to, it's got to go both ways. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Thank you so much. So we'll put in the show notes, how people can get in touch with you, Kimberly. Okay. And how, you know, just all the things. So they'll know how to reach you, how to work with you. um, And any other things, you know, resources you have that you want our listeners to have access to. We'll put that in the show notes. Um, but thank okay. you so much for being with us thank today. You. See everybody Thanks in another episode. Take care. Bye. Bye. Thank you for joining me for another episode of Liberate Your People Pleaser. I've got some extra bonuses for you today. So check out the show notes. You will see a link to download my free training. This is the newest training I have. It's called People Pleasers Power Training. It's a video series and worksheet that will take you through a very specific process where you will take your power back from a relationship or a situation that has you feeling overwhelmed, exhausted, frustrated, angry, all of the above. So grab that. I also have people ask me about how they actually work with me. And so the easiest way to do that is to book a 15 minute call. So you'll see that link in the show notes and we'll have a conversation about whether now is the right time, whether I'm the right coach and how you would like to engage in that with me. There's also the link to my private Facebook group, Liberate Your People Pleaser. It's a great place to get additional resources and be in a like-minded community. You can also submit a question through the show notes. There's a link for you to tell me what it is that you're wondering, a topic you'd like for me to address on a future episode of Liberate Your People Pleaser. So thank you for being here as always. If you can take the time to do it, I love it. If you put a five-star review on the podcast server that you get this podcast from, that always helps us get out to more listeners. So thank you so much. And thank you for being with me on the journey to liberate our people pleasers.